Hello and welcome. You've been added to the group chat, a space where we speak to women in their 20s and 30s and learn from their stories as we demystify certain concepts, find assurance and inspiration for our own journeys forward. Join me, Sheshadriko Tiarachi, as we speak to women about their personal and professional experiences and find inspiration and hope in this group chat. Hello, folks, and hope you all have been keeping well. The only way I can describe today's guest is as a ray of sunshine, and I mean this wholeheartedly because I've had the absolute joy of being on her mailing list where every morning your inbox, your WhatsApp or your Twitter account gets the loveliest notification from her, followed by a very positive, happy, inspiring, you know, uplifting quote, which basically sets the stage for the rest of your day and kind of keeps you motivated, keeps you going. followed by the think sunny hashtag. And this is who she is, someone who is absolutely sunny and is ready to share that joy and sunshine with the rest of us. On a more professional level, she is a writer and a communications consultant, and she has been part of the development sector in South Asia for the last seven years. She's here with us today to talk about something that we tend to not speak about as often as we should, but is an area of concern and definitely a topic that needs more attention, especially among the younger generation. Here today to talk to us about how to juggle finances is the wonderful Semi. Hello. Hi, Keta. Nice to be here. Very, very humbled by all of this. We're going to start off talking about your blog because this is where I also maybe have my first introduction to you, I think com, and I'm going to start off by asking you who is Seni and why is she in the box? Okay, so um, I um, maybe I'll just go very quickly back to writing. Like I've always enjoyed writing. That's something I've always enjoyed doing, documenting things. I've learned later in my literature classes that this is something that has been passed to us by the colonizers. I'm not sure how to feel about this, but um, blogging was something I've always enjoyed uh, from like 2002, 2003. And then that's when, you know, dial up internet was kind of phasing out and I discovered WordPress. Um, but then I don't know what really happened to the blog when I was 13 or 14, fast forward to 2009. I actually started off the blog with <clears throat> Jill in the box. Yes. So this was my um, hardcore, um, you know, like I'll never get married. I'm never dating boys phase when I was, I don't know, 17, 18. We're less progressive than um, 18 year olds today. <laughs> and I wanted to do something different so you can jack in the box. So I wanted to counter that and came Jill in the box. Right. And then, of course, yes. And then, of course, then social media came along and people were anyway calling me Seni and Seni in the box seemed like a fit. And I think it was about 2015 or something, I decided to <clears throat> rebrand myself because I realized that all of my social media had the handle and it would only be, um, you know, reasonable if I had the domain under that name as well. So 
not really sure. So that's where the box started in. Okay. But, um, and I think when I actually think of it, I mean, if you're going to go deeply uh, into it, I feel like people always tell you to think outside the box, but there's always a lot within yourself or inside a box or a particular environment that you might not have explored also. So it's good to look for maybe solutions outside, but there's always probably something on the inside that you could look at. So, yeah. What started out as an outlet for your quote unquote teenage angst uh, is now yes. very self-reflective blog where you document what you're learning, what you're going through. And I highly recommend anyone who's listening in to please drop by. Sydney writes amazingly. She writes some very heartfelt pieces that any one of us can connect with. Link to her blog will be in the description. So please do go check that out. But when you're not blogging, you're also cooking, hiking, you do yoga, and you travel quite well traveled quite a bit prior to the pandemic so my job was i'm very very fortunate um, to have worked in the development sector and in south asia um because this kind of allowed me the opportunity to travel though as most of us know traveling for work isn't always fun at least you get to sit in an airplane or in an airport lounge but um also i've been very fortunate to go to university in india so this meant that I made good friends who let me stay together in their houses for free. So I guess I'll get paid for my <laughs> airfare. <laughs> and also the internet has um, used to at least be a less scary place where you can meet friends on the internet and you know you could stay at their places for free also. <laughs> but um, I think it, it just, um, the traveling has been, it wasn't something that I actively pursued. Um, it happened to you know, chance upon me thanks to work. And hiking was, um, <clears throat> was um, a former partner said that I had no interests and that I would just you know work and sleep and cook and I thought okay fine this seems cool and I started um, you know doing all of these mini hikes and mind you I'm not at all like athletic or I've never done sports in school I mean I did badminton for a few months and I played chess um, but that was about it. Um, my mom, on the other hand, still can run faster than I me. But um, yeah, I was never athletic. And um, I think I was just very annoyed by the comment that I wanted to do something. And I kind of got into it. And I think my biggest so far like life achievement, I would say, is in 2019, I did this nine-day trek in Nepal. Um, Amazing. Uh, and uh, the coldest weather uh, and endured, I think it is written in minus five or minus seven um, degrees. But uh, yeah, I think that was uh, genuinely life changing. And so thankful it happened pre pandemic. Um, and um, well, we don't know when it'll hike again, but that's okay. We have bigger worries at the moment. You have been talking about these fairly often in your blog. You talk about your experiences in yoga, you talk about your travels. Um, you've often given yourself these sort of challenges, like the 10 year challenge, I think from 2009 to 2019. And then suddenly within the last maybe two years or so, you started talking about finances and savings mm -hmm. and bank accounts and all of this stuff that ideally we should be knowing, but I don't think we talk about that much. And uh, permit me to say this, it's also because people consider talking about money to be a little uncouth. It's a very personal situation. And I understand you're not, you're obviously not giving out your financial, like your bank balance or anything like that, but you are talking about savings and the practicality of it and how you've learned through trial and error. 
what brought this on and did you identify a certain gap in topics that were being discussed especially within sri lanka um well okay so i think money we'll probably start off with um you know money not being talked about you know whether money including i would say certain things like i don't know sex and marriage and relationships and you know just life skills in general we don't it's talk taboo. it's somehow a taboo. it is yeah. it, it, it's it's taboo but we're supposed to be good at it so i don't really understand the logic behind it but um and also like i think i mean also money's been very hard when i was growing up like my dad wasn't around for most of the parts my mom done like many jobs i think i get my uh, affinity towards part time jobs from her so she used to do like five different things to send us to school and i mean it it was very hard growing up so it it the, the importance of um you know not to waste the money has always been there but of course as we all know when we start earning in our 20s that goes out the window right so i don't know you earn 30000 bucks you spend 37000 bucks you borrow <laughs> the 7000 from your mother you say you pay it from your next month salary so and then i used to have this um, i used to keep note of what i would uh, have to pay for my mother i called it an eternal debt <laughs> edit oh and this eternal this is, this is not this is not university fees so i mean this is just like stuff you borrowed i don't have to pay a phone bill buy a new hard drive buy a new game whatever like unnecessary spending so i finally paid off my no seven year long eternal debt about three years ago and um, Congratulations. But, um thank you <laughs> thank you um and then um no but the thing is that um i've like we we talk about the importance of um saving and i think even to some extent i don't think i mean i don't actually watch a lot of local tv but you know growing up when you when in the 90s at least there was a lot of advertisements around savings for children and like you know it's through kiri mail things and all of these things yeah, yeah. but you know we don't actually see a lot of it and a lot of us don't even watch tv to begin so and you know alongside that a few years ago i started I don't know the YouTube algorithm is weird. I started discovering these, you know, finance stuff and finance women and women don't talk about it and I was like, oh, women don't talk about it also because, you know, women don't know things like they don't know money, they don't know how to drive, they don't know this. You know, there are certain roles to do in society and I have an issue with that in general. I like to do I mean, I'm not a rebel, like let's get that clear. I'm not a rebel, but I don't like people telling me that I can't do things. So if they say I'm not good at money, I will try to get good at money and prove wrong. And I feel like everyone should also do that as well because, I mean, and at the same time, you know, so like alongside all of these realizations, I got to know that there aren't a lot of people you can look up for, in, like look up as in in terms of asking for information or help. Like your parents are always great, and they'll tell you what you they know, right? They'll tell you to save, they'll put it in fixed fixed deposits, and so on, but. you know if you're going to a financial institution um probably won't have enough or they might not take you seriously like i don't know they never take me seriously because i work on contract so you're not a serious i'm not a serious employee you probably know that too. and then is, um, especially true in sri lanka because um i was reading the standard and poor um, analysis of sri lanka's financial literacy and i think the latest publication was from 2018 and something they kind of touched upon is is that a lot of women just they don't do their own banking and they're just not literate uh, in financial terms and you always have a male representative who does your banking for you so i think 
just across the country, this taking women who come in to do their banking and finances seriously is, is something that is that has been very sort of slow in terms of developing and getting over that. That's true. Yeah. And then like, I mean, and at the same time, our, like our banking system on its own, it needs to develop. I mean, work has to happen, but there is there are things we can do within it, right? We can look inside what is already existing. So simultaneously, you know, kind of discovering all of these YouTube videos and all of these things, um, the more I read about it, the more I realized um, that these options that they would talk about, you know, whether it is a 401k or these Roth diaries, and I would Google and, you know, I would probably know all of these by heart, but I'm like, oh, we don't have the equivalents here. You know, exactly. we'll have an ETF, an ETF. Exactly. Yeah. In all of these videos, this is something to do with the YouTube algorithm because I, I feel like a while back, it, that was all there was, right? How to invest in the stock market, all these different apps that you can use. And I used to watch them and I, I would think to myself, none of this apply to a Sri Lankan context. context. They're extremely Americanized. And, you mm -hmm. know, just like you, I realized we don't have the Sri Lankan equivalent. So where, where do we get our information from? And the people that we can get similar information from are probably leagues above and wouldn't understand the reality of being a 20, 30 some, you know, year old yeah, exactly. to save, you know? And then, I mean, so, and then like, we have our sort of traditional ways of saving, you know, like you said, investing gold and like these things are probably unheard of in Western, um, you know, culture. And, like, I, I still think, like, I mean, if you can't save money, like, for a unit trust or whatever, like, so investing in gold, it's fine, you know, some, like, my my personal, like, belief is that something is always better than nothing, you know, like, a consistent habit will always go a long way, and um, so, I mean, I think that's why it all kind of started, because I got a bit frustrated, and um, earlier this year, or was it last year, I started also looking into more on investing, and, you know, how I could, also, because, <clears throat> interest rates are really disgustingly low <laughs> it's a really good time to invest in this country <laughs> and uh, i mean i mean i mean i was looking at all these investment options particularly the stock market right and i wanted to like learn about it and uh, the people whom i knew invested in the stock market i mean i don't know if it's because they didn't know enough or they didn't want to share or you know what the gap was um the information wasn't really flowing through i found a few local places where you could actually pay and kind of do all of these courses which were nice and um so i mean and then i thought okay fine investment is probably the second step but for people to invest you probably should start saving and i i don't think that information is easily accessible i mean it's probably there in banks but I don't know, and if you don't look, you, you don't really find it. And if you don't find it, you're not going to be encouraged to do it. So. Precisely, precisely, because it's it's a lot more than just the infamous fixed deposit and buying gold situation, right? There's obviously a lot more to that. And I think it's also important to be able to compartmentalize your saving and spending habits, because it's not, I mean, it's in an ideal situation, you can take all your your entire income, your entire salary, and put that into savings. But realistically, you can't, right? You need to spend on food, um, accommodation, you know, bills, things like that. And and being able to manage money in that way is not something that we've ever been, you know, introduced to, or we never talk about it. Yeah, definitely, Shesha. We don't talk enough about, I think, lifestyle inflation. Also, like this is something I am 
I am very angry about as well, like on a personal level, like I think um, culturally, and I, and I understand where that comes from, you know, if you don't come from a lot growing up, yeah. um, and you come like from either lower middle class or middle class backgrounds, and you kind of make your way up to upper middle class, obviously more is more, right? So I would probably drive, I don't know, Maruti 800, but if I probably get a like a really significant salary hike, I'll probably ditch my car and buy a better car because that's, I mean, that's what's considered a norm. And I mean, that is wrong, but you know, it's going to take a long time for us to kind of come out from that thinking. But um, it, it's also about kind of having that awareness on what's important and what isn't. And it's something I feel like our parents' generation also involuntarily inculcates in us as well because this is what they have been taught so you know and i suppose judging from how the economy was when they were around our age for example i feel like our parents were able to afford a house and a car and have a job and a family children children exactly and then here we are you know wondering whether or not a child in this economy is um something that you can aspire towards it's 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 a lot of rethinking and, and relearning certain spending habits, I suppose. And it's, it's a very different world to how it used to be. So how would you recommend someone start if they were to you know, start saving and start thinking about money in a sensible way? Where do you think they should start and how do you think they should ideally go about it? Um, okay, so I'm going to start off with my usual preface that um, saving and being able to manage money is a privilege in itself that not everyone is able to do that and if you can't do that it doesn't mean that you know it doesn't mean that you're lesser than anybody and just because you do it you're not better than anybody so I mean and I think this is where the taboo about money also comes in the fact that you know you seem to know it all so with that said um, I think where anyone could start is if no if you're not saving at all and if you have absolute no sense of where your money is going maybe identifying for one month what happens to your money when you get it would probably be a good idea so whether if it is collecting bills or i don't know looking at a bank statement or if you have if you don't have either of those maybe just writing it down in a notebook or like a note on your phone or something just for like a month or two just to get an idea of what your spending is like I feel like even for me, um, like on how I look at my, because I like to keep track of all these things. I have my budget from 2014. And when I look at my 2014 budget and I look at my 2021 budget, I mean, I realized that earlier I just used to kind of, you know, um, kind of allocate money without actually having an understanding of how much I would need to spend on it. Um, whereas now uh, what I would do is I would have a rough, there's of course not, taking into account cost of living and the rise in price of groceries. Um, just have a rough uh, indication of how much you spend, where you spend it. And then once you kind of have that in place, then you'll start, you know, looking at, because more often than not, and I've, I've, I've helped like two or three friends do this, what, what they've realized is that, um, and also in, in today's, I think, generation, a lot of 20, 30 year olds have more than one source of income. Like you'll probably do something freelance, you'll probably do something aside. What, they, what would usually happen is that their monthly expenses would actually exceed their income. And sometimes they don't even know where the money comes from. Right. So, okay. yeah. And then, um, so that will be interesting to realize. I mean, I think the first few months would 
probably be uh, difficult, but I feel like just with some discipline and some tracking and, you know, once it's in front of you, then the decision actually lies in you, you know, I mean, and also with budgeting and all, I, I frankly don't think that there's like one clear cut way that really works for everybody. Everyone like prioritizes on different things and they have different financial responsibilities and Precisely. you know yeah so have to do with their I lifestyle mean, as well I, I suppose ex exactly exactly I mean if you're someone like me who hardly leaves the gate it's going to be easier to budget you know like my biggest deals are on keels and like sims for and I don't know website domains I don't I don't shop for clothes like I don't like having a lot of clothes <laughs> So, I mean, I, I budget very differently compared to, say, my sister who doesn't, who might not have a budget, <laughs> but, but, you Which know, like, who has fine, right? I think, I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that and be able to sort of design exactly what works for you, but also maybe have, like, a minimum spending point or a savings point. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, a lot of the times, like, with things like budget, uh, it probably gets a lot of bad rep because as soon as you say budget, people are like, oh, we need to like cut that spending and everything. But I think it's more so to do on the awareness of how you spend your money. Exactly. And also, if you want to maybe save for, you know, the potential future, that's also probably a good time to throw that in there as well but I think budgets come down to you know just to know what your money is doing because I mean unknowingly like banks and a lot of these other taxes there's a lot of money that goes out for that that we very happily overlook because we are not keeping track of it so yeah you've also mentioned um, emergency funds and retirement I remember yes. that in one of your blogs and I've had a conversation with a friend also who has a retirement account and I and I think we spoke about this when we were maybe in our early 20s, mid 20s, and I was completely baffled by the concept of, you know, needing to have an emergency fund or a retirement fund at the age of, you know, 23. Um, what yeah. is your take on this and why do you think this is something that we need to start thinking about? Well, um, okay, so personally, I started thinking about, I, I started thinking about this is because, see, um, the sort of work that I've chosen to do I am not entitled to EPA for EPA by choice and I'm, and I'm fine with that right um, I mean those who have EPF and ETF um, that does provide some sort of safety net when you're 55 or 60 or whenever you take it out but like for I mean whether you have it or not having a retirement account is I mean it is I think think it's a good idea this is probably also influenced partly by all of these western media that i've consumed over the years um but basically after a certain point you don't get to work um you need to start earning money and uh, like most of us who probably will not have children or <laughs> who probably have very young children there's no one going to be uh, there's no one who will be there to take care of you and um, i'm not really sure how uh, efficient uh you know senior citizens sort of schemes work in countries like ours as well so i mean it comes down to taking care of yourself once you decide to stop working and uh, that's basically a retirement fund and the emergency also comes stems from a similar situation um i've always been like <laughs> i've 
I've always been the person who kind of think of worst case scenarios. So for example, as a writer, my worst case scenario would be that I'll go blind. <laughs> or, or, or I won't be able to use my right hand or something, you know, my dominant hands. I mean, okay, so that's a bit extreme, but I mean, no, what I meant is that like, it's always good to have a backup plan, right? I mean, yes, for, for most of us, like we have parents who, who will very happily take care of us, but the, the goal of, I think, to some extent, growing up is also to not burden them, right? And our it comes to a point where we start taking care of them, even though they do not want to be taken care of because they're very independent able adults. Um, the, goal, <laughs> the goal is that um, we take care of them and in case something happens to us, I mean, a lot of uh, people that I know, unless it's given by a company, they don't have medical insurance of their own. And medical insurance in Sri Lanka is actually not that expensive as it is in a lot of other countries. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have medical insurance and... I don't know if some people have hesitancies in going to um, government hospitals, then it's probably a good idea to have. Oh, fantastic. Government hospitals in this country are amazing. They are, they are. I, I, I think government hospitals are amazing because as soon as you're well enough, they'll send you out. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just kind of resonating general thinking around, you know, people of our age group. <laughs> well, not Understandable. But yeah, emergency funds are also great. I mean, especially, I mean, I feel like this became very important last year when people were laid off um, without prior notice, just so because companies couldn't afford to keep them on because there was no business. This would be your fund that will maybe take care of you for a few months as well. So, and to build an emergency fund, you need to know how much you generally spend for a month. So it comes back to the conversation of a budget. Like you said, with what happened last year and even this year with so many people being laid off and in some cases salaries being halved or reduced, mm-hmm. I think people really started to realize that they weren't saving enough and they weren't saving as much as they were spending. And this sort of shifted people's mentalities because, for example, if you have a sudden lockdown like we do, do you have enough money with you right now to be able to go to a grocery store and get you know a month's worth of food or a week's worth of food and you can only have that if like you said you have an emergency fund or some savings that you can sort of put in there without jeopardizing too much in terms of the retirement fund and i'm curious as well because this is not something i've explored but any tips on you know choosing a retirement fund is there anything you need to look out for any any well, um, okay, so the inside information that I know is, I mean, I think when choosing a retirement fund, um, one of the first things to maybe keep in mind is to see how much you're able to put aside monthly as an amount, because this basically you're going to get back what you're going to start putting in now. So it's not going to be any money that you get in from, get from wherever, from anywhere else. Yeah. But yeah. Um, just be realistic about how much you can put aside now and most places at least um, that I know they let you kind of increase this cap as you you know grow older but I think that's always a good place to start Um, of course this might not kind of tally with how much you want to save up but you know to live later we probably should also live now so if you're going to put away half of your salary for retirement fund you don't have enough to get back for a month that's probably not ideal so it's important and, to uh, balance essentially definitely definitely um is that i think the pandemic also kind of gave us a really good opportunity to kind of assess 
how we've been spending and also living at least it did for me like a lot like i choose to live very far from the city so but the which means the pandemic has like completely taken away any sort of cost for traveling or commuting and and i think globally a lot of people have started to realize this as well this is a shift in people moving more towards uh, work from home opportunities uh, to stay at home to be with their families um so i mean uh, i'm not trying to be very positive about this whole situation also but i feel like it's given us this opportunity that we probably would have never gotten again like have had it not been for these circumstances kind of reassess how we do things why we do things and even in the context of money why we spend what we do so um, it's yeah. interesting that you said that because we've been talking about sort of budgeting according to your lifestyle and then just like you i live a little further away from colombo so most of my spending would just go for cabs and stuff to get to colombo and when i did get to colombo i would sometimes unknowingly drop like 800 rupees on a cup of coffee or mm-hmm. you know something ridiculously overpriced because that was part of the socializing aspect that i was involved in and i think it's interesting because now things like that have sort of i mean they're no longer an option at all and you've talked about being able to say no to spending and to certain things during a pandemic which i thought was very very interesting because that is the most difficult thing to do right how how do you say no to people <laughs> well, um, well, I don't know if it's to my advantage or disadvantage. I've become more of an introvert during this time, <laughs> so it becomes it, it, it for, for me it's become more hard to leave the house. But no, when I do, um, I also I think the pandemic for for some of us has also really reevaluated some of our relationships. Like we're no longer friends with the same people. We um, probably have new friends, and I feel like also with say certain habits like whether it is finances or certain interests there is a tendency i think over time to also attract people who think you know maybe not on the same lines as you but you're kind of more or less on the same page you have the core and, values um, essentially exactly and i feel like i mean that's the part of this you know millennial phase that you kind of go through you start to kind of stick with only those who would add meaning to your life and those whom you can add meaning to there as well right and um i mean still you know i mean i will never say no to like meeting up with close friends and if this means that it's above my i don't know entertainment budget for the month i'll still do it because i mean relationships and close friendships don't come often and more often than not it's probably also good for your mental health to meet new people or to meet your friends and keep you sane but you know having said that um if you feel i mean it's probably going to sound harsh but if you feel like there's a friend in your life or there's an individual in your life who's making a very negative impact on your say spending habits you either speak to the friend and you tell them listen this is not going to work we either kind of change up the coffee shop we make coffee at home <laughs> we kind of you know kind of strike a happy middle and if they're not willing to do that then that also comes down to you know mean that they don't really respect what you believe in as well and um they don't support your need to grow as a person and yeah but, um it's i feel like it's something that has to be done 
I agree. And I think it also goes to show what part of the relationship or the friendship they truly value. Is it the time that is spent together or is it all the other superficial elements of that time together, which I think with the advent of social media has just blown completely out of proportion. But that's a that's an entirely different topic, perhaps for another day. Um, so I mean, we, we had a brief chat about this before, you know, we started talking and I think something we touched upon was we have limited resources, but we do have resources and there is scope to learn about financial maturity and how to handle your finances if you choose to go out there and read about it as as you have very clearly done. But for some reason, it just isn't a part of sort of the school curriculum. We never discuss it as young people and like you said when you start earning for the first time you are suddenly filled with this newfound freedom and uh, a bank balance that you will most likely not use very sensibly at least for the first few years until you begin to realize oh no i need to stop doing this this is this is crazy um but you've sort of started to counter this gap in the system and you've been talking to you know, young people and students about financial literacy and how to manage your finances better. How has that experience been? And what are the sort of reactions you've received from the young people you've spoken to and have been educating? Thank you, I'm humbled. <laughs> but um, I think a, a lot of the time, so when I, when I talk um, to people about um, finances, I feel like, because it's also personal finances, right? I like to show people a little bit about how I budget. And um, I mean, I'm very open to showing numbers, but I feel like that's a level of comfort I need to work up towards. And I feel like I will in future. Um, that level of transparency, I think, is important. Um, but I mean, just not right now. I think we're getting less slowly. It's a steady but, process, right? You're all, I feel like you're already sharing so much as it is. So, I mean, don't, don't beat yourself up over it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but I feel like a lot of the times when I talk about budgeting or personal finance, I try to show them what what I do, and um and and by what I do, that's by no means the exact way to do it. It's just something that I have learned from a lot of like by reading or watching stuff or you know by talking to people. I've just kind of put together a system that really works for me, and that I've kind of and I which I also worked on over time. And it's it's not it's not linear. It's, hasn't been what I've been doing for the past so many years. And when I talk to them, I kind of incorporate like either a pie chart of my expenses and I kind of do like a comparison between like a few months just to show that, um, you know, some months I might probably spend, um, I don't know, maybe 40% of my, you know, monthly income on buying computer games. And the next month I'll probably put that 40% to, I don't know, to something for that for like a house expense or something and the fact that i showed that i think one thing a comment that i got was that it becomes relatable <laughs> and also the fact that it becomes very real right to show that you know people have these expenses and um and it's i mean again like because it because of one's privilege of being able to spend money also it's it's okay to you know give yourself some leeway also whether you go buy clothes or whatever and not to beat yourself about it i feel like 
because a lot of these uh, like personal finance videos that I watch, especially on these ones on retiring early and achieving financial independence, you know, they're so stringent about, you know, this is how much you eat, this is how much you spend on coffee or shopping or whatever. And um, you don't really have any kind of wiggle room around it. And I feel like that also puts off anyone who wants to get into the habit of be being better with their finances as well. And that doesn't really help kind of inculcate discipline as well. I mean, it's even the same with working out, right? If you decide on working out five days a week and you miss two days, it's fine, you can work out the next day <laughs> because the only person you have to be accountable to is yourself at the end of the day. Very profound. And I think what that is, is your spending and your and what you earn, it shouldn't feel like a punishment at the end of the day because it's it's for you, right? It's it's what will help you thrive and it's what will help you feel stable. So, and I think the important thing is what you're sharing with people is something that's very practical and that can be sort of carried on for a while. It's not something that's extremely, you know, harsh and then peaks and then suddenly you dip. No, it's something that ebbs and flows depending on your expenses and your needs and your bonds. So. Definitely, I feel like because I mean, as long as it's consistent, you're able to build a habit out of it, you know, whether if it is something like drinking more water or working out or I don't know what good habits people do in their lives. <laughs> but um, no, because I feel like when we like when we I, personal finance can be daunting because you always see big numbers or six figures or seven figures. I mean. 100,000, I mean, if you look at it in today's context, you can't do a lot with 100,000. But saving 100,000 for, say, someone who earns 60,000 rupees can be daunting, you know? And then, um, and knowing, them knowing that their 100,000 would not be worth by the time they save it would actually put them off from saving that money altogether. So there, there, is, there are all of these um, gaps, I feel like, people tend to not address and thereby we don't help people of our generation and those younger than us kind of get into this practice of you know being um financial independence is one thing but just being self-sustained and not feeling miserable until your next pay comes in you know exactly so, exactly and you go through a very daunting period where you have to because i think what happens then is because you're sort of living paycheck to paycheck and Again, this comes from, it depends on privilege, it depends on mm -hmm. how much you earn and how much you can spend and save. But when you have that lifestyle, you also encourage sort of very unhealthy behaviors like borrowing money or, you know, having to apply for massive loans just to keep up with your spending cycle and things like that, which only create more issues later on. And I think what you're trying to do is to help people understand that there's a holistic approach to saving as well, where you sort of ask yourself, is this something I need? Is this something I should be spending on and how I can sort of save better for, you know, a rainy day, as they say. If you could give three tips on how to save smart, what would they be? First tip is to be aware of where you spend your money. So that includes tracking your, maybe not uh, just tracking your expenses to some extent and knowing exactly where it goes. Second would be to start putting aside a, 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 an amount you're comfortable with every month for, for six months. Nothing more, nothing less. Just start with that amount. And third would be to maybe kind of have short-term financial goals. I mean, it could be 
it could be a goal is i don't know saving up for a mobile phone or saving to a trip to disneyland you know or like either of the two that's fine but having financial goals i mean there's an aspect of gamification that you know we want to also work towards so yeah it gets those three also i have to ask you because you know we've been talking about managing finances so i need to know is there anything you've splurged on which you just instantly regret what was your worst financial investment um so we're talking things and not people right <laughs> um but um i i don't know actually um in general i try not to have regrets in life because i feel like it's all about learning from stuff but fair enough what did i splurge on um I'm not very sure. Um, maybe just like some tech things. I mean, which one like that? Which which one like that expensive? Um, I yeah. But or maybe some people make kitchens. <laughs> so yeah. But um, no, I, I I try not to have regrets in life because I feel like um, this is one more thing to be miserable about. <laughs> so. For those of you who are listening in, this is how you know that uh, Seni is a reliable source of savings and sort of life lessons. She hasn't splurged on anything that's too regrettable, and she also tries not to have regrets about it. So she knows what she's talking about. And uh, with that, Seni, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak to us and sort of sharing your journey and lessons that you've learned along the way. Is there anything you'd like to say before we sort of wrap up today's session? Thank you, Krisha. This has been um, this has been fun. Um, less nerve-wracking than I <laughs> thought. Any closing thoughts? I mean, it would be that I, I don't think it's too late to start at any point in life. I mean, it's just about you deciding whether you actually want to do it for the long run. Because whether you're twenty, I mean, I'm turning thirty-one, so I, I have I, I don't think I'm behind. Probably I am. You know, in my own terms, I'm not behind. So it's about you deciding whether you want to start and have this consistent habit in life. I mean, think of it as exercise. So if you want to start now, you can start now. It's just about wanting to actually do it. Fantastic. And now we have the resources to start. So if you are someone who is considering, you know, starting to save or starting to accumulate good spending and saving habits, this might be the sign for you to go ahead you have the resources, you have the people, and you just have to do your own research and sort of a bit of self-searching to understand where your expenses and your priorities lie. With that, we end today's episode and we will see you in the next one. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. We hope to see you again soon. Till then, stay safe.